Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Good singing. One of my favorite songs. Um, I love the words and the lyrics to that, and so I hope you enjoyed singing it today. Uh, Romans chapter number 9, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter number 9. And um, I have jokingly said as we've gone throughout this series in the book of Romans that there may be some days where you need to bring your floaties because we're going to swim to the deep end. Uh, we are now moving from the deep end to the depths of the ocean, so you probably need to bring your life vest for Romans chapter number 9 because it does get pretty deep, but um, I hope that we'll be able to, to pull something out of it that is both applicable and uh, something that is also helpful uh, to your Christian life. And so my goal with this series, for those of you who just moved up, we've been walking through the book of Romans and um, really going chapter by chapter and um, covering the verses in each chapter, I would say verse by verse, but if we did verse by verse, we would still be in this by the time you moved on to the heritage group. Um, and so we're, we're trying to pull out applicational truth from each one, but the title of the series has been The Power of the Gospel. And if you go and you look at kind of the foundation of the book of Romans, uh, it is rooted on and, and built upon the idea that the gospel is all that matters. The gospel is uh, the greatest portion of our Christian life. The gospel applies to every part of our life. And so we've wanted to try to pull those principles out. And Romans chapter number 9 um, really gets deep. It is written, uh, the whole book of Romans is written as an opportunity to really show how the gospel covers and, and, and makes everyone on an equal playing field. And so let me give you a quick background that we've shared in other lessons just to kind of bring you up to speed. But the book of Romans is set in obviously the context of what city? Someone help me out. Rome. Good job. Excellent job, all three of you. Okay. Um, it is set in the context of Rome. And as many of you know, Rome was known for its persecution of Christians, for its persecution of specifically uh, Israelite Christians or Jewish Christians. And so what many people believe is around the time frame that this book is written in, the Jewish Christians had left because of persecution. At the point of this book arriving, they have just come back to Rome and they've tried to reintegrate themselves and their lives back into the city but specifically back into the church of Rome, uh, the Christian church of Rome. And so they're trying to come back together, and there's a lot of division. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, maybe chaos around that. There's a lot of friction and tension because what is happening is this Jew, this, these Jewish Romans are coming back in. They're like, well, we're God's chosen people, and, and we're saved this way, and we're saved. We already had the law. And then there's a group of Christians from Rome who have been there the whole time, who never left, and who are kind of saying, like, is this true? Do they mean more than we do? Does God love them more? And so Paul is writing from the perspective of a Jewish Christian, but he's also writing from this perspective of that he was a Gentile missionary. And I want you to understand that as we go into this passage. 
Paul was a Jewish Christian, but he was a missionary to the Gentiles. And so he has a heart for both groups of these people. And so in chapter number 9, we see this. Um, and I'm going to not read all of this because if I do, I feel like that I should have provided you uh, with kindergarten mats to lay your head down. Because like I said, this is the, this is the deep darkness of the book of Romans. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that they say that Romans 8 and 9 is the Mount Everest of the book of Romans. So we are, get, we are hitting the precipice right now. All right, Romans 9, here we come, okay? I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, which, by the way, talk about some heavy words. Just like you're not going to follow that up with that statement up with, I think that peanut butter and jelly should be jelly first and not peanut butter. Okay, he's getting ready to say something very important. He's not giving an opinion. He says, I lie not. The Holy Spirit bears in a conscience. I say the truth in Christ. So he's got a lot riding on what he's about to say that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Would you skip down and look at verse number 19? He says, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with... with uh, much long-suffering the vessels of wrath uh, fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Skip down and look at verse number 30 with me. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. So here's what he says. Are we going to say that people who didn't even know about the law found righteousness and people who knew everything about the law didn't find righteousness? He says, is that what we're getting ready to say? And then he says this, wherefore, question mark, okay, wherefore. We probably don't talk like that. I would love for you to next time you're in like a staff meeting or you're in the office or someone asks you something that you don't understand, you say, wherefore? Like, what? Like, wherefore? What are you saying? Like, what, where, uh, wherefore? Why? Why? That would be the most frustrating conversation, okay? So Paul just says, wherefore, okay? He's getting ready to ask a question. Like, basically, what in the world? What, what are we talking about? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, 
For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I want you to go back and look at verse number 2. He says this, That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I want to talk to you about, for the next couple of minutes, about the rejection of the gospel. The rejection of the gospel. If we are going to talk about how good the gospel is and how wonderful it is and how it applies to your life and how it can change your life, what we also must understand is that there will be people who reject it. And what you and I must do is we must develop the heart of Christ and the understanding of who God is in that moment. So many people, they turn their back on God, and please listen to this, because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. And that's not just an application or a statement that applies to salvation. That may apply to a relationship. That may apply to a health situation. That may apply to your career, your education. We turn our backs on God. We give up on God because people or something didn't work out the way that we thought it should. And so with that in mind, I want us to talk for the next couple minutes about the rejection of the gospel. I want to give you three thoughts, and then we'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that you... In your infinite wisdom, sent your son to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, while we understand that you know who will call upon your name, you know who will serve you, you know uh, who will glorify you, it is also our job to make sure that we do our part to get the gospel to everyone. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts today as we look at Romans chapter number 9. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week, when we were kind of beginning the climb up the Mount Everest of the book of Romans, we talked about how the gospel is really for everyone. We took you to Romans chapter number, last couple verses of Romans chapter number 8, that is often used to prove that God chooses certain people and he predestines certain people and that, that he chooses who will be saved and he chooses who will not be saved. And we kind of disproved that thinking with an understanding of that what God does in our salvation is the term that I used last week and called all-inclusive. That from the beginning to the end, God takes care of it. And while he is omniscient, meaning he knows everything, he knows who will be saved, he's sovereign, he still gives man a free will to choose what we will do with him. But to say that he's surprised when someone doesn't choose him is also a lie. And in Romans chapter number 9, you kind of goes it digs a little bit deeper into that thought, but it kind of digs in with the understanding and with the context of the fact that there will be people who reject the gospel. How many of you you've ever been watching TV and an infomercial comes on? All right, those are kind of old school, but maybe when you were homesick from school, remember those days when, like, when, when the only thing you could watch was The Price is Right at 10 o'clock? And I'm dating myself here a little bit. You could watch The Price is Right at 10 o'clock and then the assassination of John F. Kennedy on the History Channel for like the next four hours. Like, those were really your only show options at that point. And so, um, but during that, 
obviously when all of the retired people are sitting at home looking for something to spend their money on, there's all these life-changing omelet flippers that come on, all right, or something like that. Like, never miss cracking an egg again. Like, never, never get shells in your omelet again. And it's like this perfect egg cracker. And it all advertises itself as the fact that it will change your life, right? Like, and I, my, one of my favorite things about an infomercial, okay, you're going to have to help me remember this, okay, is do you remember how that they would always show the people who were failing in like black and white? Like it was like it was like an, like you were watching it. Like, does your hip bother you? And it would be like this person like, oh, and they're like so dramatic. It's like, did you literally just walk up to someone and say, I'll pay you $20 to pretend like your hip hurts? Like there's no professionalism in it, right? Or like, like, and it's just these people who are devastated that their pancake is raw. Like, never have a bad raw pancake again. And like, someone takes a bite and like, oh, this is horrible. Like, worst pancake I've ever had, right? And they act like it's just so, but then you introduce this omelet flipper or this pancake maker or this thing that will heal your hip. And all of a sudden, these same people who were so discouraged in their black and white film that they were taking it, now all of a sudden they're living this perfect life. How many of you are following? You're tracking, okay? How many of you are following? All right, good, good, okay. What you have in this passage is Paul is giving us this snapshot of this is what your life is without the gospel and this is what your life is with the gospel. And the truth is, while we as human beings will advertise everything as this will change your life, okay? This will change your breakfast routine. This will change your pain in your hip. This will change this. Please listen to this. The only thing that is guaranteed to change your life from the inside out is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't need an infomercial. It doesn't need to, an example of someone's life before the gospel and someone's life after the gospel. The words of God show that that statement is true. And so what I want to walk you through quickly is three really, I guess, thoughts, but really they're more evaluations for us as children of God, as people of God, to say, has this thing that promises to change my life truly changed it? The first one that I want you to see here in verses 1 through 5 is the heart for people. The heart for people. Paul begins in verse number 1, and he says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Like I said, he puts a lot of weight on what he's about to say and it's interesting to me that he doesn't follow it up with a doctrine he follows it up with a feeling okay i want to say that again because i want you to catch how important this statement is he makes this big deal about what i'm getting ready to tell to you is not a lie what I'm getting ready to tell to you is something that the Holy Spirit is confirming in my life. What I'm getting ready to tell to you is a truth in Christ. And he could have easily followed that up with, in verse number two, Jesus loves you. And we would have all been like, wow, that is absolutely true. Good job, Paul. No lies detected. You're good. But what he says is this. He actually says it's a personal feeling. He says, I have a heaviness in my heart for my people. I have a heaviness in my heart for my people. But he continues with this, and I don't even know that I can properly comprehend or portray what verse number three says. 
He says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul was willing to say, I wish I didn't have Christ so that some of you could find him. I want you to let that sink in for just a second. He says, I wish that I did not know Jesus Christ and his salvation work if it meant that you would find him. Can I just ask you a very simple question, okay? When, if ever, have you thought about someone else's salvation like that? I'm asking you that question knowing in my own heart and mind that I don't think I have ever thought about that. Maybe my children, but I don't know that I've ever thought about it in the words which Paul said that. That he was willing to be separated from Christ, to not have known about Christ so that someone else could know. And here's what I want you to understand, is that while Paul could not have done that, while he could not have said like, well, I'll just plug my ears and I won't know about Christ, and then all of my brother, all of the Israelites will, will know. He, can, he can't change that, okay? However, here's what I do believe, is that when you have experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ in the way that the apostle Paul experienced it, you want everyone to know about it. And sometimes we stand up and we talk about that, well, you should be telling others about the gospel. You should be telling others about what Jesus has done for you. You should be sharing the word of God with other people, okay? That's easy to say, hard to do. How many of you agree with that, okay? One of the things I've often said is you could pay me a million dollars to fly a plane, but if I don't know how to do it, then I'm not going to do it, right? And you could give me every motivation to share the gospel with someone else, and if I don't know how to do it or what to do or what to say, then it's hard to do. But please listen. Sharing something that God has done in your life should become very natural for you. And it may mean that it doesn't start with you sharing the gospel with lost people. It may mean that it is you sharing what God has done in your life with saved people. Some of you, it's just the way that the world is. You're like, I'm never even around lost people, okay? That's not a bad thing. That means that you might be a little bit isolated from the world, or maybe you work online and you just sit there at your desk and it's like, man, I just live in this happy dream life, okay? Whatever. But some of you are not even around lost people, okay? So let me give you a challenge. Could it be that the reason why we are uncomfortable sharing what God has done in our life with someone who doesn't know about their eternity is because we can't even share what God has done with someone who does know about their eternity? So when was the last time you looked at someone, maybe in this class, maybe as a parent, maybe as a brother, maybe as a sister, maybe it was a, maybe it was a friend or, or a coworker that you know is saved, and you say, hey, can I just share something that God's been teaching me? Can I just share something that my awesome teacher in Crosspoint taught me? Like, he's so wonderful. 
you know, there's Jesus, he's so wonderful, but then there, I'm just kidding, don't say that, okay? But can I just share what God has done in my life? Can I share a prayer request with you? Can I share an answer to prayer with you? And if that is unnatural to us, it will be very unnatural for us to have a heart for those who are lost. Let me throw one more question or curveball at you, okay? Sometimes we watch the news. Not you don't watch the news. Who am I joking, all right? Sometimes you see the news on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, okay? Fox News app, okay? Nobody in this room watches the news, okay? When was the last time you picked up a newspaper? Think about that. That's not the curveball question, okay? <laughs> so you're like, wow, that was way more convicting than the other two questions, okay? But you watch the news or you, you see something on the news or you see someone, someone post on Facebook or whatever and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, this world is getting horrible. Right? How many of you have thought that in the past two weeks? You've thought, man, the world is getting horrible. Okay? I want you to think about something. Okay? What is your heart for the people who are not like you? Do you have a heaviness in your heart for people who disagree with you politically, or is there a frustration or an anger in your heart? for people who disagree with you. I'm not trying to give you opinion here. I'm just trying to show you that what the Bible says is a lot different than how we live as Christians. And please listen, I'm not also saying to back down on what you believe. That's not my statement at all. But what I firmly do believe is that we can stand strong on what we believe about certain things and still have a heart for the people who believe them. How many of you agree with that? Okay, you understand that. What Paul was saying to these Israelites who had not found Jesus Christ is he says, I have a heaviness, I have a sorrow, I have a burden that is really beyond comprehension. I wish that I could not have found Christ so that you could. And please listen. It's one thing for us to sit there and say abortion is wrong, homosexuality is wrong, transgenderism, whatever. You can find a thousand different, high taxes are wrong. Like, okay, you can find a thousand different things to be mad about in this world. But unless you come back and you say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, but I have a burden for who you are, please listen. Please do not miss this. One of the things that the Holy Spirit has been convicting me so heavily about is... When I see some of the things that is going on, are, are going on in this world, my natural reaction is to think, how could someone believe that? But the biblical reaction is the only way that someone believes that is because they haven't found Christ. Even when Christians stumble and fall into some of the wickedness of this world, I firmly believe either, number one, they are not truly a born-again Christian, or number two, they have not found that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and has allowed them to change their life. They're still looking for 
fulfillment in their sexuality, in their social aspect, in their relationships, and what they believe, in their freedom. They're still looking for that. And my heart breaks for them because here's what I want us to understand. We must be able to say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, but I have a brokenness in my heart because what you need more than me to prove to you that abortion is wrong, what you need more than me to prove to you that transgenderism is wrong, what you need for me to prove to you that all of these things are wrong is that you need to be proven that Jesus Christ loves you and that he saved you and that he wants to give you a new life. And unless we understand that, we will never understand the rejection. The rejection is not a rejection of beliefs. It's a rejection of salvation in the gospel. So first of all, the heart for people. Secondly, and I've got to hurry. Holy smokes, I've got to hurry. We need to be done. Part two coming next week. I am so sorry. All right, we got hung up on that. We got through one point. I am so sorry. Let's pray and we'll be done. Man. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.